You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as, well, almost always, pretty much always, are Charles. <laughs> hey, and Jim. How's it going? It's going good, man. You miss one week. <laughs> one, one week and you're an internet artifact. That's right. That's right. Although you did call in last week. So Three you got dot or four dot artifact. Two. Just a two dot. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> He's got no evocations whatsoever. All by myself. <laughs> we did enjoy having Neil on with us last week, though. I think he did a really good job, and I uh, look forward to having him on again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. But hey, before we get started into too much other stuff, we've got to take a look at the news. Well, really big news for us this week, folks. The Lunar Play Test second pass is out, and we at the Deliberative here got our grubby little paws all over it. Celebrate we have been... <laughs> good times, come on. Exactly. We have been having a blast <laughs> just uh, reading through this thing, trying Did to see all the Did you intend the goodies. pun on paws? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, we're all <laughs> in total lunar form right now. I don't know about you, but I'm sitting here in deadly beast man transformation <laughs> <laughs> Which, that is uh, a scary what? hummingbird Corey. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 i've gone far away from hummingbird by this time uh in fact yeah why don't we do that why don't we start off talking about maybe you know we've, we've had a chance to look through some of this play test and for those of you who uh, aren't as as into Twitter or whatnot? Uh, I think Robert Vance had had written that uh, on there that the lunar playtest was out, and this document is essentially some of the the core rules for the lunars, how they do shape shifting, sacred hunt, all that kind of stuff, and then about six gazillion charms, <laughs> so many charms, <laughs> and oh. it is freaking glorious. <laughs> So uh, we've had a blast looking through here and each of us has kind of, you know, as we've, as we've looked through it, have, have kind of crafted uh, a sort of a lunar alter ego to sort of help stabilize and, and focus some of our, some of our efforts in looking through the new document. And so why don't we talk just a little bit about our first third edition lunar character designs that we've been working on. Somebody want to go first with theirs? I envisioned um, basically uh, a lot of my characters that I play are kind of like nimble, stealthy, kind of, you know, very Back finesse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I can vouch for that. And so can Charles's back. With yeah. Lunar. <laughs> sorry. With Lunars, sorry. I, uh, I just think of this massive hulking beast, like, you yeah. know, the deadly beast transformation. Right. And... I have had some wantings to play in the North. So I designed this character whose name is the roaming glacier of the North. It is a polar uh, is a polar bear is his spirit animal. So he could, he can change into a combination half man, half polar bear. And he's going to be this brawler. 
and he fights with this massive moon silver hammer. There's a there's a cool charm in the in the strength section of the charms that allows you to use your strength instead of your dexterity to hit. So right. yeah, <laughs> I can go full on strength and you know and not because there's always that balance you know like right. well do I want to be able to hit things or do I want to be able to damage them? Well this way with this charm, it, I get the best of both worlds. So dang it, that's how. So cool. I, that's how I designed this guy. And also that charm affects natural weapons and being uh, a polar bear, you're going to have some, uh, you know, these big massive claws. So yeah, that's right. what, that's what I'm going with. You know, that makes me, it makes me a little jealous that, that dexterity, uh, switching out the strength for the dexterity, because there used to be a merit in second edition that let you do that, that anybody could take. Right. And really? that's what my, yeah. And that's what my solar character had. My Doncast guy, uh, Gauss, he had that. And, and so when I was translating him into third edition and that no longer existed, I was like, Oh crap, I got to give this guy dexterity just so he can stink and hit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Oh, it's like, and we'll, I'll talk a little bit about something else I found that used to belong to solars and now belongs to lunars. But, uh, yeah, it's like, they're taking some of my favorite solar stuff and giving it to lunars. But, um, that is super sweet, though. A big polar bear, dude. I think I've seen pictures of giant... Li- oh, no. Oh, you know what it is? Guild Wars 2. Guild Wars 2 has a race of polar bear people. And there's tons and tons of art about that. So, like, finding an image for that character would be, right. I think, really easy. Yeah. So there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, the one that I created, I call him Toril, the Last Shadow. And maybe it's because I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp last weekend. Uh, but I no made a... That's <laughs> no, valid this time. <laughs> yes, that's valid. That's brand new. Uh, yeah, for once, was... me and Charles agree. <laughs> it was I definitely sticking on it. this yet. Make sure you stay until the end of the credits. There are two after credit scenes, so make sure you stay for those. But um, but yeah, so I was a little bit on a, on a Wasp kick. Actually, I wanted to make a hummingbird person like Charles alluded to or... Uh, but I, I, I ended up going, ah, oh, it's going to look too cheesy. So I went with this wasp guy and I love some of these charms in the dexterity section that allow you to use uh, hair or quills or whatever you've got to like create ammunition for a bow or a crossbow. Yeah. And so my wasp dude, he actually like breaks his stinger off, which then regrows and uses the stinger as like the arrow for his bow. And he has another charm that like makes it barbed and can even, it can even give it wings oh. to like fly to its target. So it could like bend around corners and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like the bullets oh, in, sweet. uh, wait, the that's in that in, charm. It's in the, it's in one of the dexterity charms. There's, it's, I, I forget the exact name, but yeah, but it's like the, uh, the gun in who framed Roger rabbit, you know, when he shoots the bullets and they like go chasing around corners and whatnot. Then the one has a tomahawk, like literally that exists in third edition. <laughs> Lunars. So, so anyway, yeah. And I just, I have this uh, hybrid body transformation that uh, allows him, you know, he's got like wasp wings and uh, a little bit of a chitinous, exo skin and he can fly around he can fly up high in the air shooting his stinger down at people that's why he's called the last shadow because he's the last shadow you're ever going to see so uh super super loving that character already what about you chuck what do you got um first off i need to perform an act of contrition i'm sorry that i doubted lunars (laughs) okay okay here we go (laughs) 
<laughs> Robert and Eric, if you're listening, let me know what I need to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, this thing is like blowing my mind hole out of my mind yeah. hole. Um, and it was really hard to nail down kind of one character. But what, what kind of struck me were... Um, a lot of the appearance charms, I guess maybe because they appear first in the document, right. but um, I, I kind of settled on this idea of, uh, well, my character's name is Bending River, and he is a cat man, and I like the idea of this kind of politician, like, politic, speaker, heavy kind of person that is saying enough is enough, we need to... Like, for too long, civilization has overbalanced nature, and I'm going to burn through it like a righteous fire. So his mm. mission in life mm. is kind of like destabilizing governments and causing entire civilizations to crumble and waste away and be reverted back to nature. That sounds nice. like a lot of um, first edition lunars like breaking down of uh, social structures and stuff right yeah that's cool man good times oh, and his tell talk about is... reducing carbon footprints <laughs> yeah <laughs> um his tell is that he has feline eyes that are like real bright ah, cool. yellow yeah i gave my guy like compound eyes because he's the wasp what was your tell jim do you have one uh the tell was like a darkened streak because in human form he has a scar over his right eye okay. and uh so that the fur around his right eye is uh it's a little darker than the rest of the, the rest of it awesome awesome well as you guys uh as you read through a lot of the book i know you know we've only had it for just a few hours here but not even 24 uh, hours <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but uh, as you read through a, a lot of these charms and whatnot which ones, when you read them, just knocked your socks off? I mean, I know we've mentioned a couple of things already, but uh, but what things just just were like, wow, this one is super cool. Did you have any of those? Uh, I uh, did. There was one. So I know, ironically, the character I came up with is this real non-combat, uh, social aspected character. But the one charm that like really made me sit back in my chair was under the stamina tree and i forget what it was called but the idea is that you can replace your dexterity with your stamina to use for parry and oh, i yeah. loved the idea oh, that it's like you think this guy is gonna be this wimpy little like oh i'll just bowl this guy over and he catches your you know deadly sword blow in his hand and doesn't even flinch or something like that right oh that's right. cool that's awesome well i gotta i've gotta confess that this morning i spent way too much time <laughs> looking up pictures online of hybrid animals in order to find try to find some kind of awesome combination for the chimera soul expression this is a i like your snake term. bird by the way the snake the snake hummingbird <laughs> yeah. yeah that was that was really incredible by the way if you guys out there have never just looked for hybrid animal pictures online 
people have done some amazing things with photoshop <laughs> you know what hey let's do this Corey. what i'd like for our listeners to do is go find either the coolest hybrid animal picture or the funniest one and share it with cutest. us on twitter or, or facebook the right yeah but yeah yeah uh, shoot that out tweet that out to us or whatever and uh that would be great because we found some really good ones. So the, the, the charm in question is called Chimera Soul Expression. It's actually the very first charm, I think, in the entire playtest book. And, uh, and what it does is it allows you to choose another animal. So you've got your spirit shape. All lunars have their spirit shape that they can change into and that forms the basis for their hybrid you know, body transformation and deadly beast man transformation and whatnot. But this charm lets you merge two animals together to form your spirit shape and so as i'm looking through the internet here just trying to see you know what we got i uh, found a, an elephino the, you know <laughs> elephant rhino uh, the, the bunny duck was uh, just like super cute the kitten penguin was so awesome stupid. the pug the pug face on the chimpanzee body, though, just standing that there all disturbing. cool. That was disturbing. What's up? Nah, I thought that was the cutest thing ever. It freaked me out. I didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But man it's like man, when you see a cat just... that has too human of a face, and you're like, mm-mm, nope. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a cat. Oh, with a... man with a human i don't know where you're going to find cats but you need to turn around and get out of there (laughs) cats don't have human faces man (sighs) yeah so that one i thought was just i thought that was super cool uh and i think jim that you liked one that was similar to that didn't you oh yeah i like the uh changing phase transformation which is kind of it's a little down the list um out of the hybrid body transformation branch uh, charm yeah. branch but basically what it lets you do is it lets you design a whole new physical attribute layout for your character mm. so you could be like this uh, in, in your normal form you're like this little small scrawny guy that's like very nimble but then when you take on your your transformation you, you could like move dots from dexterity into strength and like basically you would like beef up kind of like hulking out or something which that's really cool that is cool and you can also take it multiple times so you can have different attribute build outs based on the situation several things like that yeah it was awesome oh there was also one that i saw and i mean this is totally not something that i would normally pick for one of like my characters but i i was just like just taken aback by how cool of an ability it was it's called behemoth's inhalation prana and it allows a lunar to just like suck up all the fog in an area like just like removing the fog entirely or like sucking all the smoke out of a building that's on fire so that everybody inside can breathe normally or if there's like a big poisonous miasma like floating above a swamp or something he could suck all that up and then blow it into the face of one of his enemies and that that was just so strange and so cool to me it really felt like something out of like a like a cartoon like a superhero type cartoon or whatever just see this character just you know puff up these lungs just draw this massive amount of crap in i mean just i don't know I saw that and I'm like, what a weird thing, but that's so cool. So, uh, yeah. So that was another one that I found. I don't know if you guys, did you guys have some more? Uh, I don't have one in particular. It's more of like, 
a family of charms that kind of caught Ooh. my eye, which was for uh, taking the heart's blood of something. So, you know, as a, as a oh, lunar, yeah. you can perform the sacred hunt and kill something and drink its heart's blood, and then you own that form, right? So if you want right. to turn into a tyrant lizard, you have to go hunt one down, kill it, and drink its heart blood, and then from that point on, uh, you can turn into that, you know. Right. Well, in that case, with some merits or whatever. But anyways, that's the basic idea. Well, right. in third edition, there are, for each attribute, there is a heart's blood charm that allows you to gain the form of something else in a wholly unique way. So, so cool. For so instance, cool. the one that I remember offhand um, is the one for strength, which says that you basically, you choose your target and, you know, you challenge it to like a wrestling match or a foot race or something like that. And as long as you win and they were genuinely trying to win, so you can't just pay someone to set up and take a fall to take their form or something like that, right. then you get that form. And it doesn't require that you kill potentially you know, innocent people or even the animal itself. Like maybe your lunar doesn't want to kill animals. Well, in right. second edition, that kind of limits <laughs> what forms yeah. you can take. Uh, yeah completely um but now each attribute has its own wholly unique way in which to take on the form of something else and that's just freaking awesome yes that was that is super cool very cool uh another one that i saw <laughs> that i just thought was so neat was called uh beast mind metanoia and it allows you to defeat social influence by just letting your mind become like the mind of one of the animals whose shape you know. So like somebody's sitting there going, all right, now here's what I want you to do. And then all of a sudden you just like let your mind become a dog's brain. And you're like. <laughs> <laughs> and you just totally ignore what they're saying because the dog doesn't understand all that crap. And oh man, I just thought that that was, that was hilarious and awesome at the same time. Oh, and my goodness, did you guys get all the way to the uh, under the wits section? They have, you know, because what they do is they have uh, all the different charms broken up by attribute. Mm -hmm. And then within each attribute, they're broken down into different categories. And so uh, under the wits attribute, there was a category of charms called animal kin. Did y'all did y'all see those at all? Did you get that? I skimmed through them. That's kind of like, doesn't it let you uh, do things with like familiars or something like yes, that? Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, it was cool. So, like, the uh, the Solars have a bunch of these under the Survival Charm set, and they've got some really cool stuff. I mean, <laughs> Neil's, character in our, <laughs> yeah, Neil's character in our Wild Shape game used quite a few of those, and it was awesome. But uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, these some of these in the Lunar's book, though, are just bananas cool. One of them allows you to add mutations to your familiar so that you can create, you know, this this awesome you know hybrid chimera mutant thing to be your familiar which reminds me a lot of the uh, summoner in pathfinder where you can kind of design what you want your uh, oh, your eidolon yeah your eidolon you can design what you want it to look like and so that allows you to do that 
as a lunar, super cool. And uh, one of them, one of the charms, I mean, all the charms are so cool. They're so cool, I can't even begin. I mean, like, there's there's some that let your, your animal companion do these awesome, like, counterattacks, like, when you get attacked. It's like a lot of teamwork stuff between you and your, your familiar, which are just so awesome. I can't wait to make a character that just fights with this, I don't know, tiger or something and just goes nuts. But, um, but one of the ones that was just, I mean, blew my mind cool is uh, it lets you shrink your familiar down to like a tiny size so that you it, it even like mentions you could make like a tyrant lizard like a like a stinking t-rex you could make it so small that it just fits in your pocket or goes <laughs> up your sleeve <laughs> and then like you just, when you shoot it out i guess it grows back coolest thing ever man coolest it's like a pokemon thing or ever. something <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally a pocket monster <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you would have no idea how many episodes of Pokemon, Pokemon my kids means? watch this one. Yeah, it means Pocket Monster. <laughs> yeah, Pocket wow. Monster. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, just, just, Thank you, Just now dawning on you. <laughs> yeah. Just now dawning on you, huh? Wow, okay. Yeah, so that that was super awesome. There's even a charm, and I forget which ability or which uh, attribute it's in. There's a charm that lets your body grow a hearthstone as if it were a manse. Oh, and that's... Then it, that's awesome. Yeah, a greater hearthstone, mind you, like a four dot greater hearthstone, and it can mimic the mimic the effects of other greater hearthstones. And ah, oh. and there's another one like in that same section that lets you slot hearthstones into your own body instead of having to have an artifact, and so your body can grow a hearthstone and slot it at the same time. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, it's just this thing is so cool, man. It's so cool. Well, um, any are there any other awesome awesome things that knocked your socks off, or are we ready to move on? Well, when I was uh, researching this character that I was designing, I was looking at a, a, a lot of the strength charms. Yeah, and there's this one charm that uh, is called Mighty Ram Smash, and what mm -hmm. that does is when you uh, attack an opponent, based on the number of successes, you can knock them one to two range bands away. Now. Oh, when you yeah. when you go down the list though there is a one there is a charm that is built off of that where this is a uh, prerequisite charm where instead of knocking them horizontally you knock them vertically what? so could you imagine knocking someone two range bands vertically up into the air right <laughs> wait what about yeah. the one that lets you instantly like drastically alter your inner shape so that you are immovable literally immovable oh, yeah. and they're you like actually you might sink mass. into soft mud or snap yeah. a tightrope like what really <laughs> but you know jim that one that you were talking about i think it's i think it's the one i'm thinking of fatal strix flight yeah that's exactly it yeah and uh and and then there's another like kind of follow-up charm called swooping hybrock death strike and that one lets you kind of jump up to where you knocked them and then punch them back down into the dirt again. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> and, and that is really awesome. But once again, this is something that used to belong to Solars in second edition because <laughs> in the Ink Monkeys solar rework that they did, uh, they have two charms called Dome Shattering Strike and Lightning Strikes twice. They, they were a part of the, uh, I think they were a part of the uh, Solar Hero style. You're just jealous because my lunars are cooler than your solars. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was, it's like I, I was reading those two charms. I'm like, I know these charms. And I like went back to the Ink Monkeys document and I found that dome shattering strike and lightning strike. So I was like, it's just, it's just like that. But uh, so isn't, but yeah, that a, very cool. isn't that kind of a good thing, though, that it will incentivize people to play other exalts, which technically aren't as powerful as solars. So they're kind of maybe, um, I don't know tweaking the power level of them a little bit well you know what it might be what it might be is just simply um putting things where they belong yeah because i would agree with that yeah i think that they're establishing a really um unique flavor for each exalt type in Mm. this one whereas i think in second edition what happened was when solars came out of the gate they were a little bland and boring and then every new exalt type that came out afterwards right were like much more exciting because games kind of develop over time well the lunars are all about the attributes yes exactly and that's it and so a lot of these things like i saw another thing that reminded me of a solar charm where lunars uh can like bash through the scenery and like knock buildings down and stuff and i'm like hey my solar had that too you know (laughs) but it it so makes more sense to somebody whose like basic ability is to like boost their attributes their strength you know getting that strength up to insane levels uh whereas like the solars are all about the abilities you know making that ability like you become the Uh. absolute best at a skilled action right whereas the lunars seem to be at the absolute best at just a raw action yeah so, so what you need to do is instead of having Gauss be a solar with a <laughs> boar familiar, he should just be a boar lunar. I don't know. Remember, he had a he had or he a could be a marsupial, or whatever day. floats your boat. I would like it on the record that I did not participate in this heresy. So whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever repercussions come of this, <laughs> I did actually start out. My very first lunar idea I was thinking of was a boar, like a werebore, and I was and I was even thinking of naming him Thunder Tusk, which you know, going back to to Gauss's familiar old thunder. But uh, so let's let's talk just for a second about some changes that have taken place. I know we've mentioned a few, but changes that have taken place between second edition mechanics and terminology and third edition mechanics terminology. Because I gotta say. This playtest feels very third edition. Well, of course it has. Yeah, to. It I mean, there's so many. I mean, so many differences have been. You know, so many changes have been made to like combat with decisive withering attacks, and so of course, a lot of charms that you were used to that did things like reduce the speed of an attack. You know, very second edition type mechanics now might do something to a withering attack and then have something different for a decisive attack. So a lot of changes, of course, had to be made because of the different mechanics, but. Um, but it just feels so third edition too. Just the streamlininess, the epic coolery of it. Uh, I love it. But here, here are some of the things that I kind of wrote down. I went back and forth between the second edition book and the and the play test, just kind of trying to pick some things apart. And uh, right off the bat, shape shifting knacks, no longer a thing. Now they're just charms, and a lot of them are universal charms. Uh, that don't re- rely on any particular What attribute. were the knacks again? The old shape-shifting knacks, it was right at the start of the uh, charms chapter in the second edition book. And they were they were like charms. You learned them like charms, but they sort of changed the way that you shape-shifted. So if you wanted to change into human shapes, for example, you had to have the praise skin disguise, I think that's what it was called, that allowed you to take on human shapes. Oh, so the knacks were almost like, they were almost like charms, but only for shape-shifting. Right, right. Okay, and so right. That's, if you I wanted to now. be able to take on, you know, giant animal shapes or tiny animal shapes, you had to get the, the shape-shifting knack to go along with that. 
and uh, and there were a bunch of those and it was kind of you know it was kind of nice to i mean by by calling them a knack but keeping them the same cost as charms and everything it, it just kind of put them all together in one place where you could find them easily and so it had that going for it but creating like a whole new mechanical name for this thing was really kind of it was sort of superfluous because that's what they were is they were charms right Right. And so just kind of by blending those into the charm set and making most of them universal charms right at the beginning of the charms chapter, you've kind of kept the ease of use anyway. I mean, the only ones that are kind of spread out a little bit is that uh, Deadly Beastman transformation is under strength and hybrid body transformation is under appearance, I think. Yeah. I think so, that was a universal. Oh, yeah. Hybrid was. body? Was yeah. it universal? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, it's so close to the appearance. It was right under the Chimera the chimera yeah. one yeah yeah so i think that was really sensible like just kind of making them making them all charms that just that that streams streamlines it makes it better uh, another change that i noticed was that previously if you wanted to have your hybrid form you know like your werewolf form your were tiger form your were hummingbird form whatever you had to take the deadly beast man transformation knack i think it was a knack back then um or it might have been no, i think it was an act anyway you had to take that in order to get that done well there is still a charm called deadly Beastman transformation and it does change you into a hybridized form but it changes you into sort of like a a boosted up strength you know fury monster kind of a thing mm-hmm. uh it really goes after the deadly beast man part of that like it really right. you know punctuates that and there's a new charm called hybrid body transformation that also lets you kind of take on a hybrid form, but it does so in a little bit more, I don't know, uh, not subdued, but uh, yeah, it is kind of subdued. It lets you pick six merits, uh, supernatural merits, and just you take on those merits whenever you go into that transformation. So like one of the examples they give is if your your spirit shape is an elephant, maybe when you go into hybrid body transformation you grow giant and grow a thick hide you know or if you are if your spirit shape is an eagle and you go into hybrid body transformation you could uh, have wings and claws you know and so the way it looks like if you were to draw your character it would still look like a hybrid but it's not this like uh you know schwarzenegger uh muscle bound you know just like rage monster hybrid that's more for the deadly beast man transformation which adds some to your stats and all that kind of stuff. But one of the drawbacks of that Deadly Beastman transformation is you can no longer use evocations on artifact weapons, whereas if you're using a hybrid body transformation, you can. And mm. so for me, I think I would go for hybrid body transformation most of the time. What do you guys think? I don't well, know, man. It depends on what kind of artifact your character uses, that's true. really. That's true. Well, you know, we saw hybrid body transformation already show up in... Um, Eska of the Seven Blades, which is one of the adversaries of the Righteous. And she has this cool thing, which at the time I was like, you know, what are they doing here? I yeah. mean, she clearly, she had a spider form, but then she also, and that was her Deadly Beastman transformation, but she also had this like six-armed form that was really cool, almost Shiva-like, and it was listed under hybrid body transformation. And I was like, well, this is weird that they're giving them like two ways to transform, but and it, and it does kind of seem weird with Eska because she can either kind of become this like monster spider thing or she can be this like Shiva shape and the Shiva shape doesn't really look like a spider. No. And right. so if you, if you play it like that, that is a little strange, but it's still really cool. 
But if well, you just wanted like a hybrid light, you know, like if you like you wanted to go your polar bear gym and you just wanted to add a little bit of unusual hide to give yourself a little bit more soak, like to represent the fur and the thick skin and then like some claws, you right. could do that and you could still draw your character. You could say, well, he looks like a half man, half polar bear. Right. I mean, right. you could still say that he doesn't have to just simply, you know, have some claws grow or something like he can actually still look like a hybrid polar bear dude. Well, and I remember when we were looking at the character thing for Eska, we were all like not really sure what to make of that hybrid body thing. But now that, uh, well, now for me personally, now that I can see some of the other charms that go with it, it in right. retrospect, it makes more sense. But like at the time, it didn't, it wasn't really clear what that was intended to be used for or as right. or whatever. But it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. So, I mean, you can either use it as a, you know, Deadly Beastman light kind of a thing, or you can use it as just like a separate form entirely, which yeah. uh, I think is, I think it's super cool. I cannot wait to get into do, to actually playing some of these characters <laughs> because, oh my goodness, it's going to be so great. So great. And another, so some more differences are lunars can now take alternate human shapes just through normal sacred hunts they do not require a shape-shifting knack or a special charm to do that it's something that's built into all lunars as it should be in yep. my mind yeah so that was a really good change see this just goes back to um it seems like one of the changes that they're making across the board is hey there are these lots of cool things that each kind of exalt can do but in second edition, whereas it required three or four purchases of a mix of merits, artifacts, and charms or something like that, right. now it's like you just buy this one thing and you've got all of that. It's like right. that that's so much more fun for the player because then you're not you're not as resource poor, right? So where it's either right. like I'm either gonna be able to shape change into humans and like really play on the shape changing part but at the expense of having more charms and stuff right. so now they're like yeah. dude just shape shift like all you want like you can turn if you can hunt it and kill it or however then you can do it like that's how it should right. be yeah absolutely absolutely uh, another change lunar start with essence one just like solars do there are rules, just like there are for Solars, for starting at Essence 2, if you want to do that and be a little bit more seasoned Lunar. But starting at Essence 1, I think is really cool. Keeping that kind of across the board, letting you know, not letting characters just buy up however much Essence they want like you could in 2nd Edition. I hated that um, option. Yeah, I really, I, know. I really think that ruined the game. I don't think it ruined the game. Well, in in it, as much as if even one character in your party did that and you didn't, it's like yeah. playing a fifth level character in a twelfth level character group. You're gonna feel right. behind, and you're just not gonna have as much fun. Which means you don't really have the option, and you're gonna be losing out on other stuff. So I like how now everyone is forced to be on the same power level from the start. Yeah. It is good. It's a good change. It keeps people from from getting unbalanced. You're right. Uh, but you know, and and just like with the solars, just like with the dragon bloods, I'm impressed by how many charms, uh, how many really cool charms are available at Essence One. And then you know, you look back and you go, well, that char that that really cool thing is Essence Two. Well, it gives you something to actually 
play for, you know, something to work to to work to earn. And I think that that's, I think that's a really, really good thing. Lunars do not get a supernal attribute or a supernal ability or whatever, like uh, solars do, but there's every, everything that's super cool that you would want for your lunar right out of the gate is pretty much essence one. Well, hang on. So, we don't hey, necessarily know that they don't get something special like that. Right. Well, we haven't seen anything special like that. Hey, Corey, so, I did want to offer a little bit of information here. Okay. Um, the Deadly Beastman transformation, the hybrid uh-huh. body transformation is a prerequisite of it. So right, right. you're going to have uh, both of them. So you'll choose. Yeah, if you, have, if you have the deadly one, you're going to have It's not one or the one. other. You'll right. just choose what, what best fits the situation you're in. Right. So do we think maybe that um, Lunars, instead of having, you know, it might not even be called supernal, but do we think maybe they'll have some kind of similar thing for an attribute? I don't really think uh, so. I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that makes solars better. Right. And the they fact have that to... they can get the powerful charms right off the yeah. uh, right at the beginning. Hmm. And they have to do that. They have to have some edge for solars because they were the god kings of creation. And so and you don't want to get into a situation like you had in second edition where all the new exalt types come out and they're Well, another than the thing solars. building off of your earlier discussion if everyone has to start at that low essence level, it makes solars that much more powerful yeah, at the beginning exactly. with that surprise. Well, and not just true. at the beginning, but all through. So, you know, if everybody, you know, if, if a essence two solar comes across, you know, some essence two lunars or whatever, and that essence two solar can get one of those essence four or essence five charms way up in the tree that right. are just like world ending charms. Right. I mean, he does feel a lot stronger. Oh, these games know. are so good. They are, man. They are so good. Uh, <laughs> why does anyone play anything else let, ever? let me tell yes. you what makes me sad all right and this is slightly off topic but okay um my group this coming wednesday is finally going to be back playing exalted uh-huh but we had already agreed that um we need to play we need to finish our pathfinder adventure path so after we finish uh. this first hear me <laughs> well the story <laughs> itself is good but yeah, it's just Pathfinder sucks monkey chunks. So well, after we yeah. finish this, um, the mechanics, the this, mechanics, not the not the story. No, not, not the, the story. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so after we finish this first story, we're gonna have to switch back to Pathfinder, and I am literally dreading that no. because of how exalted has ruined role playing games. <laughs> it just has. It's I know. ruined it. Robert, <laughs> Eric, stop. But no, don't stop. Don't, no, don't stop. stop. <laughs> don't, don't you dare stop. Yeah. <laughs> but no, really, I am finding it more and more problematic that of how much I like Exalted. Yeah. Because I just yeah, can't it, even enjoy other games anymore. I know. That's like getting mad at the best weaponsmith in the land for making the greatest sword. It's like, well, all the other swords are terrible now. It's like, <laughs> well, what I'm we need sorry to do, though, I'm that good. Yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that it keeps bringing up to my mind is that we need to come up with a way to get more people 
bitten by the exalted bug. Oh, yes. And maybe we'll, we can have a discussion in a future episode about how to do that. Because I've got some ideas. I've got some ideas and some some like Shocker. campaigns that we can run. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> I mean, we Hi, need I'm to, Corey we need and I have something. an idea that's literally not news. <laughs> <laughs> What's the opposite guy, of news? <laughs> there was a guy I used to work with at uh, UPS who said, I'm going to buy you a t-shirt for your birthday that says, if I'm talking, you should be taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, oh, I never got that t-shirt and therefore because I am an Eclipse Cast Solar, you are now cursed for eternity oh, to botch all your rolls. So, we anyway. all know you're a Dawncast, shut it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well hey, some more some more differences that uh, we noticed between 2nd edition and 3rd edition lunars. Uh one, just in the arrangement of the charms. Second edition uh, kind of went in the arrangement of how the attributes are listed on a character sheet, starting from strength and dexterity, stamina, then charisma, manipulation. You know, it just kind of went the way that they're listed on the character sheet. Whereas in third edition, they are listed by alphabetical order. And you would think, well, that doesn't make any difference. No, it does make a difference. When you start the charm section with appearance instead of strength, I mean, how many people just rush to the appearance section of the charts? Zero. Almost zero, probably. (laughs) Almost zero. (laughs) But when they're at the beginning, I'm like holy cow these are awesome like this is these are some of the coolest charms which then means that you know uh, unfortunately that means that wits comes last so right you would think oh well no one's gonna see wits but no since you see appearance which doesn't seem like it would be cool then you see how cool it is you're like well now i have to read all of these right and like i said those animal kin charms well, this in the wit is section. an early uh, draft too so the the they might well, be in the, alphabetical order for that oh, might don't not change it robert. don't change it robert and eric <laughs> the solar charms the solar charms are in alphabetical order by abilities but then again i think they were in second edition too because again they were going by the uh, character sheet order and the character sheet is in alphabetical it's order. in alphabetical order right but still i mean there is like i guess you could say somewhat precedent well i don't know uh dragon blooded how did they go they way went in alphabetical order too they would have because it had been the same as the character sheet order but um but anyway i still think that's really cool i hope they keep it that way because it's just so fun to read those uh appearance charms first and just be blown away by you, them. you know what though i'm not gonna lie when i was first skimming through it i was like i don't understand how these are laid out because the solar yeah. and the dragon blood book has it by ability and i'm like wait hang on we're talking about warfare and then we're in charisma and now we're in stamina what is happening but once right. you wrap once you remember that it's all ability driven i think it's right. pretty easy to navigate that stuff and they break up each of each ability into those like different areas of use yeah and that really does help and as you I just don't know i i th- i kind of like the uh the physical charms, the social charms, and the mental charms being grouped together. Because yeah. if if but I'm designing so a physical character, then I'm probably going to stick really close to physical charms. And right. if I'm designing a social-based character, I would probably stick close to the social charms. But I it mean, still that's just hasn't me. broken down like that. It's just like the appearance tree or section has what like four to six different subsections you know that are like persuasion or you know offense or defense or something like that so they're still going to be broken down where you can kind of right but if i'm looking for charisma appearance and manipulation 
I am jumping around a little bit. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. You're talking more broad. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, like dexterity, strength, well, stamina. Each, you the, know. I guess Ooh. the difference here is that each one of those still has like offensive and defensive stuff oh, yeah. within I, it. Oh, yeah, I love the way they yeah. did that. But it, so it maybe was, we maybe we won't be jumping around as much. It, it it's always a bit of a challenge to to pick your way through a charms section of any book, first edition, second edition, third edition, when you have so many to choose from and so many choices to make. I mean, fifteen charms at character creation, you know, for all Gosh. of these in third edition. <laughs> but I found it really. I mean, what I do. And I, and I think maybe uh, I'm, we're going to talk about this a little later, but if you just kind of focus on the uh, Essence 1 charms when you're looking at character creation, uh, it, it, it it's you're able to breeze through them, I think, a lot faster. That's if you true. see a 2, a 3, just just It's just page, so hard page. not to look at those other ones, though. Right. Yeah, and then you is, get you get stuck in that rabbit hole, and you're like, oh, why, why aren't I at Essence 5 yet? Oh. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, uh, last change that I noted just right off the bat, first read through, was that we've lost keywords like gift and fury okay, which were a big part of second edition. Um, the fury okay charms allowed you to uh, quickly add all those together at the same time that you went into deadly beastman transformation. And the gift charms, weren't they, they were similar, something like that. I know you added a bunch of, maybe that was the ones that you did automatically when you went to Deadly Beast Man. And then the Fury were when you went to Rage or something. I'm not sure exactly how that worked. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fury was when you raged and gifts were like... Um, when you changed into your, your hybrid, right? Yeah, because I have, I have one of my character sheets pulled up here and it says, A Lunar may commit two motes when activating Deadly Beast Man transformation in order to regenerate one level of bashing damage reflexively each action. Yeah, so gifts are like things you can do when you, when you, when shift. you shift into Deadly Beast Man. But the Fury right. stuff is like when you rage, you can like, you know, like tack, right. copy and paste all these things together. Right, you just automatically activate it. And so even though we've lost those keywords and that <laughs> that particular set of mechanics, uh, individual charms in the charm set, though, now have special activation rules. And we've seen that kind of moniker before. And, you know, like when you look at uh, martial arts charms or when you look at some evocations for artifacts and they have these special activations, you know, like a lot of form charms are like you uh, form charms for martial arts. I mean, are like you activate this automatically if you do this and that. Well, they have a lot of those throughout the uh, throughout the lunar charm set where when you go into deadly beastman transformation you you are allowed to activate this automatically you know and spend less motes or whatever so. so i'm a big fan of this change again because what it's doing is it's taking the really complicated mechanics of second edition mm -hmm. like you your character has 20 possible triggers that it could activate at any one time and right. it's like nope third edition your character has three and it's great. It's it's I'd so much more accessible. It might not be that drastic, I know, but yeah. It's... Well, there's pros and cons for both sides too. I mean, because you could make the argument that it was more simplified to just have that keyword, Fury okay or gift, and then if you did like us and we made electronic character sheets with color coded charms for gift and Fury okay, then you know, like, well, now I'm going into. That. Of course, you could always do that. You know, if you're making an electronic character sheet, you could always do that. You could color code them on this yeah. too i mean you did, so but still i mean it, it, it was you know I, I don't know it, it was nice it was nice both ways i, I but I, I dig the change too i think it's fine i just know but, that part of the turnoff for me in second edition was um it was just so complicated and 
I, I understand right. that... You also weren't a believer back then. Well, that's also true. I, you're, you're right. That does factor in. Right. But it was complicated. And yeah. third edition is clearly being made to be more readily accessible to a broader range of players. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's a win in my book. Yeah, big time. And some brand new mechanics. So we had some of these teased for us in that big news dump about a month ago or so, uh, where they talked about protean charms. And protean charms are things that they're charms that are they have a special use when you are in an animal shape that can take advantage of that charm. So most times you can't use charms when you're in an animal shape, but a protean charm is like, well, if you have an animal that has, cap- has the trample special ability, then you can use this charm to enhance that. Oh, or whatever. I was going to say, I was still having a hard time really understanding what the protean keyword was really meant for. Like even reading through that document, I saw it several times, I read it, and it's not that the concept itself was difficult. I just wasn't really sure, like, how was this meant to really, like, why is this a separate keyword? Yeah. Yeah, it's just so that you can you can enhance that animal's natural thing that it can do. That makes so you, sense. You got okay. a big 18-foot-tall yetum that can trample all over somebody. <laughs> well, Neil. <laughs> well, you Spoiler. can use... You can use some of these charms. You can use some of these charms to just enhance that even more. Whereas like normally you might not be able to use, you know, I don't know, one of your, you know, deadly claw, silver claw, something or other. Like you wouldn't be able to use that with a Yetum, but this charm with this protean keyword, you would be able to use that. Right. So it's very cool. They also have some, uh, a new keyword called totemic and the totemic charms allow lunars with certain spirit shapes to learn those charms, those totemic charms, as if they came from a different attribute. And so this allows you to specialize a little more. And so like, you know, so maybe I don't this get one... this one either. So let's say your spirit shape is a grasshopper and a tiny little grasshopper. And there's this charm over the, in the appearance section of the charm list that would be perfect for your character. But your character doesn't have a very high appearance because you focused on all of this other stuff that, you know, is more like a grasshopper dude, like high dexterity and yeah, and really good perception and whatever, you know, so you focus on those things. Well, because your spirit shape is an animal with the minuscule type or whatever you can learn that appearance charm as if it were a dexterity charm with a different prerequisite, right? Because huh. an appearance charm is going to have this this prerequisite in the appearance section that maybe you don't want to take, right? But you do have the prerequisite in the dexterity, and so you're able to take that charm as if it's a part of the dexterity tree instead of the appearance tree. Once again, this allows the lunars to focus heavily on the abilities they're supposed to be or yeah the attributes they're supposed to be really strong in so you don't have to they need you don't have to sacrifice well i need a i need three dots over here and two dots no it's like five dots here and i'll use this to pick up those extra little things that i need right yeah so i think that's a i think that's a neat addition I didn't see any right off the bat, like as I was reading through, that oh. I thought, oh, this will be helpful for my dude. In fact, there's one that it was a charm that I took 
and my character met the prerequisite for the um, for the totemic thing, but I didn't need to take it as the totemic because I already had plenty of stats in the current. You know, well, I I see one here. There's like this one called Wasp and Termite Dance, and it's a it's a pretty big appearance charm. Yeah, but yeah. the totemic says. Lunars with a hive-dwelling spirit shape may learn this as a charisma charm with guiding the flock as its prerequisite instead of the right. current. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. It allows you, you know, just allows you to get what you need where you're at instead of having to dive deep into, you know, a certain attributes charm tree in order to get that one thing. So, I think it's a really cool idea. And the other thing, the other new thing that I uh, wanted to just kind of bring out is something that Charles already mentioned, and that's the fact that there's heart's blood charms for each attribute that really expand the ways that you can absorb shapes of other people and animals. I cannot and, over oversell how cool these heart's blood charms are. Yeah, for real. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. I, I am big time into those. The one that I thought was so cool, I can't remember which one it was, if it was appearance... Well, no, it wasn't appearance. Uh, it would have been whatever the next one is. Maybe it's uh, charisma. Mm -hmm. But one of them allowed you to essentially uh, bind an oath with someone, kind of like a like an eclipse cast does. And if they ever break the oath, you take their form. That is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that one a lot. But uh, I mean, that's very that's a very story heavy one, though. I mean, your storyteller's gonna have to be all down for it because you know, up oh, you did it. Like you said, you're never gonna do that with your shoe, but there you did it. Now you're I not ever your gonna face. drink water again. But what's cool is, I mean, clearly that's meant to be used to make someone swear an oath to do something that like they're gonna want to break it right like you're gonna you're gonna pack up your bags and move your village somewhere else or something like that you know or you're never gonna uh, oppose me in a political vote or something like that kind of deal right yeah yeah it would be uh, a big deal what did That's we so do cool. to deserve this <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. oh guys guys out there in radio land holy crap buckle up because it's coming tell your friends to get into exalted if they're not into it now you they're, make them get into yes it. yeah they need this every the world needs this this is so good and, oh. and i just i can't wait for the rest of this book so all we've seen of course in the play tests are just the the charms and a couple of the mechanics things about sacred hunts and shape-shifting and whatnot uh character creation we've not seen any of the rest of it you know the, the, there's no uh, there's no narrative portions history portions you know setting material this is all just the charm stuff but it's already so cool. I'm looking okay. forward to the call being told from the Lunar's perspective, which yes. uh, I, I believe Eric Minton mentioned that on his blog. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't wait for this book. I can't wait to hold its deluxe edition in my grubby little hands that probably has... <sighs> my wallet well, hates no, me it would already. Be in, <laughs> it would be in the... I was about to say, I want one that has a charm that I designed in it, but then I, you know, I'm thinking, well, that'll, they'll probably do what they did with Dragon Blooded and include the uh, backer charms in a uh, separate document. But still, I can't wait to have this thing. I want to have it. I want to read it. I want to, I want to play it. Well, we, we're going to play some of this here pretty soon. So uh, we just kind of hit some of the overview here today in this episode next week we're going to be taking a deeper dive into some of the aspects of this and if you have a question about any of the stuff in the lunar play test please send that in to us send it in send it in uh you know record yourself asking the question 
We'll put it on the show. We'll talk about it next week in our big deep dive into the Lunar Play Test. Yes, we want to then... talk about this more. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Give us a reason and to. My uh, my daughters are already creating Lunar characters. I've created my Wasp person. We're going to be playing a short game this week uh, involving Lunars just so we can have some hands-on time with the new stuff. So, Hey, I've got a question for you, Corey. Are you going to be using Jim's uh, archery martial arts style with your Wasp man? No, not at first because I've already picked all his charms. This is (laughs) awkward. Well, you know, he's not going to go toe-to-toe with people. He's going to be flying around shooting them, so he really doesn't need to, you know, parry with his bow. He's also got Ah. an extremely high dexterity, so he's going to just dodge out of the way of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. I I actually thought about it for a second, but I'm like, i got to pick all these lunar charms, man. Yeah, you could just totally cut that diss out. That would be great. <laughs> uh, okay, to be fair, Jim, I didn't know he was going to say no. I was like, <laughs> this oh, man, Corey made this, perfect, made this perfect character to use Jim's awesome martial arts style. Hey, Corey, you're going to use that, right? Nah. Oh. Um. <laughs> uh. It just doesn't fit the character. I'm sorry. It's a great martial arts style. Ooh, All man. right. Well, speaking of uh, people sending us clips of themselves asking questions and making comments and whatnot we have a lot of messages on the old message machine gosh (laughs) and we need to get into some of those some of these we've been putting off for a couple of weeks because of other things long episodes and whatnot and so this week we want to we want to dig into those all right so let's go to the message machine and hear who we've got first hey gentlemen i'm becca an aspiring exalted storyteller and I was wondering if you could help me understand the basics of social combat. I find it difficult to provide a social challenge in other White Wolf games that allow for quote-unquote mind-control powers, so having a more structured system seems nice. However, I have players who often understand the rules far better than I do, and it seems really daunting to have to keep track of everything and providing them with challenges that don't just end in you win again. Yay. Any thoughts, tips, and examples would be great to have. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Awesome. All right, That's now, our for first woman calling, by the way. Yes, it is. And she called in and, and left two messages, uh, one of which we featured a couple of weeks ago where she talked about the uh, Wood City in the call. She was the one that designed that Wood City for us. And, yeah. uh, and then we had this second call from her that we were going to look at last week but decided uh you know since we were going so long to just uh, bring it to this week but yeah becca thank you so much for for uh, the kind words and for sending in your question thank you becca social social interaction is something that's rather <laughs> difficult to yes, wrap your is. head around until you really start doing it i think um you know first of all i think you know the third edition core book just says social influence is the system used for resolving interactions in which characters attempt to manipulate persuade or coerce each other and then i think that that is important to remember because i know that when i'm when i'm the storyteller for a game and folks get into social interaction i use that word social interaction like in a general sense of they're just talking to somebody I'm like the antenna go up and I'm like, are are you, are you about to do something that requires a role? You know? And most of the time it doesn't require a role. You know, if you're just talking to somebody like, 
hey, what sort of biscuits are you selling this morning? You know, whatever. I mean, like, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't man. Know but yeah, when, you, uh, when you're just talking to folks, role-playing it out, you really don't need to make any sort of roles. It's for when you attempt to manipulate, persuade, or coerce each other. And just keeping that in mind, I think, is really helpful. Um, and then, you know, a couple of paragraphs later in that same section on social interaction, it talks about reading a person's personality, beliefs, or agenda. Uh, and, and I would limit that kind of an action, that read intentions action, to a person who is actually trying to conceal those things. So, so there's several, several parts of social interaction. Trying to convince somebody to do something or convince somebody to believe something or think a certain way. Or trying to figure out what a person already thinks and believes. That's where you're going to make your roles, right? In those two areas. I think the key here is to know when to roll and when to just role play. So if you want to have some good social interaction encounters, you're going to need to really design them as a storyteller. Because most of the time, just like the, the little intermediate role playing that happens between NPCs that you create on the fly and the characters is going to be very simple and should just be role played out. So if you want somebody to use social interaction, you design you design the, the encounter so that they have to figure out what this person believes and then use that to convince them to do something. And you as a storyteller should have already mapped that out. And I think that if you keep that in mind, it's going to make it easier. You know, when I look at social interaction, what I see is the main thing that's going on here is that when you're doing your, um, what's it called? Read intentions. You're trying to figure out where the open doors are and where the closed doors are. That's what you're trying to figure out because um, intimacies that you can use to uh, help encourage somebody to do something you want them to do. Those are like the open doors mm -hmm. and intimacies that block you, uh, that, that actually make it harder for you to convince them to do something. Those are the closed doors. And so to, to, to figure out how to get from one place to another, you got to figure out where the doors are open, where the doors are closed. And I think if you just kind of boil it down to that very simple, uh, way of thinking about it. All right. I, now I know that if I talk, if I, you know, try to convince this person using this, I'm going to get bonuses or their resolve is going to be lowered. And if I, um, if I try to convince them in this way, I'm like barking up the wrong tree. I'm going to have all kinds of penalties. They're going to have a higher resolve. And so just figuring out where the easy spots to go in and the hard spots to go and then navigating through there to get them to do what you want. Cause it's, it's when you want to get somebody to do what you want them to do. Right. I want this person to go stab that guy in the breast. And so like, you know, how do I get them to do that? And then there you go. You find the open door, sure. you use that and then go over there. I'm about to tell you why Exalted is the greatest game ever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Normally I am a, I am a purely physical combat kind of guy and I just kind of gloss over the, the social interaction section of the game. Well, oh, guile, resolve, pfft, who wants to read that? But when Becca wrote this question, I was like, you know what? I need to like really dive into this thing and see what makes it tick. So I'm going to give you right. a scenario okay. that will show you how this system works. Let's say okay. I, am, uh, I, I am Joe Blow and I've just discovered Exalted and I think it's the greatest game ever because I heard it on the deliberative podcast and how much fun these guys have with it. Seems like so, a good setup. I don't know anybody who plays Exalted, so I'm going to go to my local used bookstore or local big box bookstore, whatever you want to call it, and I'm going to like put a flyer up to look for Exalted players. 
So I'm over there and I'm putting my little thing on the push pin board and I, and I kind of glance over at the role playing section and I'm like, hmm, there's, there's a guy over there about my age, probably would be interested in this game. Let me go see what he's looking at. So you walk okay. over there and you see, and you're trying to figure out what books is he looking at? So you are reading his intentions and you notice that he, the, the story storyteller of the real world says you notice he's looking at the hunter books and you're like oh hunter books so you ask him a question you say hey um so you're looking at the role-playing section you play role-playing games and he's like well you know i don't know not really so you read intentions again and you get the <laughs> feeling that he does play role-playing games but he's a little embarrassed about it because he just met you so right. you have discovered an intimacy that this person has with role playing. <laughs> okay. So you start diving, you start building on this intimacy and you find out that he also has an intimacy with Hunter the Vigil. And this you're like, Charles, I, yeah. I want to know this person's name, by the way. <laughs> I think so, his name is Charles. He does not have a, you're like, hey, have you ever heard of Exalted? And he's like, no, I've never played that. So you're like, well, you know, Exalted's a really cool role-playing game. So now what you're doing is you're instilling a intimacy with Exalted based on this guy's intimacy with role-playing. Well, right. let's say you botch and you fail and it doesn't happen. So you're like, well, you like Hunter, right? So now you are re-attempting to instill that intimacy using the Hunter aspect. He likes Hunter. Right. A different intimacy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah, I do like Hunter. Well, you know, Exalted's made by the same folks, right? Oh, it is. So now you're like, you got this small thing of uh, Exalted that you're building up. You're building this intimacy of Exalted. Right. You're like, hey, so uh, why don't we, you know, go over here and uh, I'll buy you a coffee. Bargain. That's a, 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 <laughs> a, a thing. Let me, buy you, let me buy you some coffee and we'll sit and talk about this game. So... That is how this game, it's building, it's taking real life things. Right. Like, because it, it, if you come up and you just, as, a, as a, a storyteller, if you come up to me and you say, hey, I want to find out if this person loves somebody. Like, uh, no, that's not how it works. You know? Right. But if you say, hey, you got a special someone? Okay, now... But even if they tell you no, you can kind of read their intentions because reading intentions isn't just like a yes or no. It's like you're reading body language, the way their eyes shift. That's what you're right. doing. You're like, right. so as a storyteller, you're like, you get the feeling that they're not telling you the full truth or, you know, so you're basically. You can't handle the truth. Sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you're interacting with them. And discovering intimacies based on your interactions, not just, yeah. all right, I'm going to roll dice and see if they like, uh, do they like solars? No. Yeah. Do they, do they subscribe to the immaculate philosophy? No. You would say something like, Hey man, did you see that anathema get killed the other day in the middle of town? Like, yeah. What do you think about that? Like, I don't know, man. I try not to get involved in that stuff. But right. you met through that conversation. You may find out that he is a minor, a minor hate for the immaculate philosophy. And now you could start instilling minor right. good ties to solars based on that hate that he has of the right. immaculate philosophy. He, so this is great. Yeah. But yeah. what's important to remember is who is this guy that likes Hunter so much? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> it's, 
your grandson. I used Hunter because I knew you <laughs> you would pay. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim's example comes from oh, the future. Oh, man. Where you tragically died in a donut eating accident. <laughs> Jim, you had my complete and undivided attention. I'm not even going to lie. Like the second you said Hunter, well, see, I was like, here it was. I was convincing you that I was given a good argument on convincing arguments by playing off your intimacy of Hunter. Mm, that's wow. true. He, we he went all inception with his intimacies uh, on you, or with, with yeah, his I, instill, I had multiple his layers. How <laughs> multiple meta layers can one his... podcast be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I mean, you comp- you compare all that though to what you might think of as the simpler uh, rules from something like a Pathfinder or D anD D, where it's like, well, roll your diplomacy and see yeah, if you'd make exactly. it happen. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's just so, so, so more involved and more realistic. That was what makes... I was trying to draw out is that yeah. this this is real world stuff. Like you are building yeah. on, you're trying to get to know these people. Right. And Whereas like in a, in a Pathfinder game, if Pathfinder took place in real life and your class was role-playing nerd, uh, level three, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, come, you come into uh, the store and, and you're like, uh, do I see anybody who's interested in the role-playing section? Roll a perception check. Yes, you, you see somebody. Um, okay, I want to convince him to like Exalted. All right, roll your diplomacy. I got a natural 20. Natty 20! You oh, convince man. him. It's you going convince to him to suck. love Exalted. And you're just like, that's it? That's really it? And so that, you didn't even, like, as a player, you didn't even know that guy's name. Right. right, you have no idea who he was. He he is a completely one-dimensional character. It's gonna Whereas... suck to have to pivot from Exalted <laughs> back to Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> you do get to say Natty Twenty play a Pathfinder, and okay. you don't get to say that. Who in the history of words has said Natty Twenty? It's I've said Nat it like twenty times. I say Nat Twenty. Well, you bo- you're both I monsters. Say it all the time. You're Dude. both permanently stuck in deadly beastman transformation. <laughs> it's it's glass cannon parlance, man. You have to say natty twenty if uh, you're glass cannon. I've never fan. heard yeah. that. What? All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right, but you know what? I'm looking over and I see that there are a few more lights on that message machine. Let's find out if we can uh, get another message here. <laughs> Hi guys, uh, this is Hector from San Diego of. Dublin fan of the podcast. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys what kind of music you guys like to play in the background during your Exalted games. I'm rather partial to uh, Zach Hempsey and Two Steps from Hell, really cool uh, orchestraic stuff. However, I want to hear you guys' opinion. What do you like playing in the background while you guys are adventuring in creation? Uh, thanks and keep up the awesome podcast. Ah, oh, Hector. Hector is actually, he's uh, hes joined our Caldera game on DeepWild.com. So uh, we That's are... That's wild it, with a Y, not an I. I. I think Exalted fans know that, but... Um, I'm just saying. But yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good to, good to point out. Because if you go to Deep Wild with an I, you get to some sort of like out, uh, like outdoor outfitters kind of a website. So, yeah, you know, that's not where we play that post exalted. I guarantee it. They're yeah, really but, leaning uh, hard into this Lunars thing, huh? It's They're like sponsored sp- by safari pants with like really deep pockets. Yeah, right. But uh, so yeah, Hector, uh, thanks for the question. And while I am also quite partial to. Two Steps from Hell, Audio Machine, all of those great folks that make that kind of orchestral, exciting music. I just personally have a big, 
dislike for playing music in the background of role-playing <laughs> sessions. I just, I don't like to do it. I listen to music the way a fat man eats a lasagna, okay? <laughs> like, there is nothing else in the room that matters. If I'm driving down the road and I'm, like, listening to a song and my wife starts talking, like, hey, did you see I'm, I'm like, I look at her, like, I turn that slow look, like... Do you know I'm listening to a song here? That you know, lasagna grease <laughs> dripping off your yeah, shit. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, that's the way I listen to music. Like, there is nothing else in the room that matters. And so, it's very hard for me to combine two things like music and role playing. I feel like I'm just or very lasagna distracted. and pants. <laughs> I mean, I watch TV like this. Our TV stays off unless we're watching something and then we're like all like laser focused, you know, paying attention to what's on the TV. I can't have a TV like running in the background with like noise coming on and all that kind of stuff. So like that's the way I am. Like I guess you call it tunnel vision, one track mind, whatever you want to call it. So I'm I don't actually listen to music while playing a game. I tried one time with si Sirenscape and it about drove me crazy, so I had to just get rid of that. No, no, no offense to Sirenscape. They have an amazing product there, but they do. Uh, I, I actually tried that a couple years ago and I was really impressed with it. Yeah. It's very impressive. Uh, especially the way it just like keeps making, you know, kind of random new sounds. So it doesn't get repetitive or whatnot. Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. And I just can't do it. Sorry. It's out for me. It's a lot of work. If you don't have someone dedicated, just doing that. I mean, storytelling is a lot of work within itself. Right. I mean, you're literally playing every other character in creation. Right. And now I got to add their own theme music each time they enter the room. That's oh, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's what I end up doing is I, I don't do it very often. And I do it more, um, more when I'm playing horror games or like when uh, I did it at the end of um, the second darkness adventure path. The, that was the second uh, pathfinder adventure path that came out. Yeah. Right. And uh, you know, we had, that stretched over like almost a year's worth of play and we had had characters come and go and players come and go and so i had this like the final battle had all these returning characters from players that had you know left the military and gone on to back to their home state so it was kind of like this family reunion is like the whole thing was coming to this awesome climactic ending. Right, right. And I had written out this kind of like movie script uh, prologue and I queued up some music specifically for that. Um, and then when I run my Hunter games, I like using some uh, really scary ambient music that's not even so much music as it is just like droning with you know, like a uh, wailing very far off in the distance or something like that. Uh, that sounds amazing. It, it's awesome. It really is awesome. Um, the just, problem, just sort of some moaning and some wailing. Sounds like my house. Uh, well, stop having so many kids and your wife won't be so miserable. No. Um, so I feel like there are, there are definitely times where if you use music it will produce a singularly amazing gaming experience but like yeah. but like jim said if you're using it in your normal or i say you if i'm attempting to use it in the course of a normal game 
I often find that it's just too much unless I know ahead of time they're definitely going to hit this scene or this location and I already right. have this like perfect piece of music that I would like to play there. Then I might play the music for that. But if I'm going to allow it at all, which is not super often, then I typically just ask, hey, does anyone want to come up with like some neat playlists? And then right. I just let them do that. But then you kind of run the risk of they pick, you know, like a Metallica song for, you know, like something that doesn't really fit. And then I have to yeah. stop and say, ah, that doesn't that doesn't really work for what I'm going for. And then that kind of breaks the flow. <laughs> the hills are alive with the sound of music. You, wa- you walk into a quiet inn. It's like you walk into a quiet little inn. Give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me that one. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that particular song oh, scared I do the heck out of us one day. I attempted to use the, um, the Exalted 3rd Edition Music Suite a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. And all of those tracks are really cool, but they're not, they're clearly not meant for playing in the course of a normal game. It's just like each, they had a track for each kind of exalt. And it was like, here's mm. a musical, uh, you know, like a moosh boosh of what a solar <laughs> sounds like. You a know, boosh. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Look, some of our listeners are going to know what I mean by that, and they're the smarter ones. So, in your face! One out of the three podcast hosts knows what we're talking about. Uh, okay, so what I mean is it's kind of like it's this all right. you don't have to explain. musical I have appetizer no idea what you're that talking says, about. this is kind of the flavor of a lunar. Right, and we're right. telling you that what, what music. What does that taste like? Moose-boosh. Uh, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> but the flavor it of lunar. It Charles' new lunar character is like... a were-cow named Moose-boosh. <laughs> Move out of my way. Um, <laughs> no, but it didn't really lend itself to being used through normal play. Hopefully, the second music suite that they release is going to be like, okay, we did like the exalt anthems on the first one here's some music to use in your in your weekly exalted game or something like right. that well cool yeah well all right hope that helped hector i'm uh, not done with hector <laughs> oh you got some more you got some more okay like a fat man who ate a lasagna and saw there was a little bit left <laughs> i'm gonna tell you this the the Two Steps from Hell, I enjoy their music. It's great music. Yes, it is awesome. Um, when I was growing up in high school, I actually had two different role-playing groups that I ran with. I ran with uh, my crazies and my my nerds. So mm. you, you were in the nerds group, Corey. Of course. But, of course. And we didn't listen to music. I know who music. you mean by the crazies. We didn't listen to music at your house when we played, and it was great. Right. And the other place, it was just absolute chaos. People were fighting over the music that we were going to listen to. And (laughs) it's hard enough to keep people, you know, when you get, especially if you only see each other like once a week or once every two weeks, it's hard to get focused and get in like, okay, guys, I know we had a lot of catching up to do. Now let's get kind of into the game. Right. But to me, that that always added an extra layer of just like, Hey man, you got to listen to this. And now they're like paying attention to the song and you're like, man, guys, right. I, we got to get this. We got to get playing. We only got like three more hours left. You just burned up the whole hour fighting right. over music. So yeah. that would drive me 
crazy. So I'm just like, that's it. No music. If I'm yeah. storytelling, we're not doing music. So it has nothing to do with music itself. I like music, but it, it's all, it always seemed to be with that group. It was always tough to keep them focused if there was music going. Right. But if you're going to use music, I recommend instrumental instrumental with no um, with no vocals. You know, just something right. to, to set the mood in the background. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, I'm pushing this message machine button now. Here we go. Greetings to the triad of the Deliberative Podcast. My name is Mike, and I have been a fan of your show since the beginning. I've also been a fan of Exalted since White Wolf first posted the Flash animation teaser on the White Wolf website all those years ago. Just as they were ramping up to close out the old World of Darkness series. What information would you like to see brought back into a third edition form? Thank you very much, gentlemen. I look forward to hearing your answers in an upcoming episode. All right. So, Mike, thank you for your question. What do we want to see brought back? I've been kind of starting off all these. Anybody else want to start off? What do y'all want to see brought back? Okay. I want to see some rules on God-Blooded. I Mm, noticed they weren't in the core, and we got to see a little peek at the five-fold mask and lies. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that had God-Blooded written all over it. Um, Yeah, so that I, I just love the whole idea that uh, a god like ha- has children with like some of the people that worship him, and that those people just are born with special powers, and they're a little outside of the exalted thing. I know the game is exalted, but not everything has to be exalted in the world. I right. mean, the mortals aren't exalted, so gods I, aren't I, exalted. Yeah, and I just love the whole idea of god blooded. It just yeah, I really want to see that come back. Absolutely. I don't know how they would do it if it would be in its own book or probably not. It might be in, um, well, you know, they had like the roles of glorious divinity and whatnot in the Well, maybe you could slip the rules into like the antagonist rule book, like have like some of the the smaller stuff that's not really an exalt and doesn't need its own book. They need something like the roles of glorious divinity, you know, to give like, here's a huge collection of uh, elementals and a huge collection of gods. And these are their powers, and like these, some of these charms can be used with, uh, you know, their offspring and whatnot. I think that would be really cool. I doubt we'll see that in the Exigence book. I mean, we might, but I would think that it would, you know, the gods and elementals and demons and all that really do need like their own books. I mean, as good as Lunars is, think how good it's going to be when we get Abyssals back. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, yeah, I don't really have an answer to this because. I, I know basically nothing about first edition. Well, I mean, you are looking for abyssals to come back, and clearly they will. I mean, that unless a meteor, you know, destroys the Earth or something, um, you know, we're probably going to get abyssals here in the next couple of years. So I just know uh, that there was one of the guys on the forums. I can't remember his name. Um, Ikorin, I think he did an abyssals. That's who it thing. was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so good. Yeah, he does. He did a really good job. Uh, he did one for Abyssals. He did one for um, the Infernals, Green Sun Princes also. Uh, he, he's he's pretty prolific. He does a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, that's 
Uh, just because I don't know a whole lot about the past lore, and I'm now trying to catch back up on that, m- my answer is just going to be Abyssals. Because that's going to be good. Okay. And for me, I'm personally, I'm looking forward to my mind being blown by new sidereal martial arts when we see those, probably with the Sidereals book. I mean, I mentioned that before. Uh, can't wait to see just how they're going to implement that. And I very much want to see very compelling and very playable rules for fair folk in this edition i feel like the uh, graceful wicked masks in second edition probably drove you uh, as insane as the fair folk themselves trying to wrap your head around it or at the end of reading it and understanding it you deserve like three or four honorary phds <laughs> because it, it is very difficult to wrap your head around and so i have confidence that this writing team these creative folks that they that they can come up with some really cool stuff for fair folk and it's it's going to be a challenge because all the fair folk charms and whatnot were based around virtues and we threw virtues right out the door so what are we gonna do this time i don't know but i am looking forward to finding out so those are what i'm looking forward to all right thanks mike mike also was the one who sent us our character seed of the week last week so thank you very much buddy and let's see i'm hitting the button here again Hello, this is Alexi from Finland. Your podcast has made me think. Every solo campaign I hear about, the players end up ruling kingdoms. Do you think it would be possible, or even wise, to run a smaller scale campaign with solos, like Wandering Heroes or city-focused games? Also, what is your favorite exalted villain? Mine is easily Josie and the other denizens of Malpheus. Well. That's all from me. So long. All right, Alexi, thank you for your question. You know, talking about, you know, is it possible to run solar campaigns at less than, you know, world-shaking scale or trying to nation-level play, conquer your own kingdoms? (laughs) I say... It's the only way I play is to run at smaller scale. Uh, that's the way we've played all of our games, both around the table on deepwild.com, our wild shape game. Uh, we all have started with uh, these sort of smaller localized games. And in my mind, that's the way all games really should start. They should start lower tier and maybe spiral up to the big leagues much later on in the story. And I would even say preferably after you know joining maybe two or three chronicles stories and characters all together um and and i like to use the acronym atm for this which is always think marvel right so in the marvel stories you've got your thor story i know we talked about this before but you got your thor stories your iron man stories your hulk stories whatever and then when they get and, and those are all like local based kind of stories and then when they all get together for the avengers it's like save the world from a giant crashing uh, city that's being ripped out of the ground and thrown back to earth or whatever you know so i think really you should start small with every new chronicle that's my feeling i i just feel like that makes the most sense it helps the characters transition from nobody to god king right you just want to you want to climb that ladder really slowly i think don't let players rush into just taking over everything i completely agree here um i'm that's what i'm doing with my game we're starting in this small made-up town of solstice i say town it's really more like a it's on the cusp of village and town and Mm. my idea is for the first several games to have them kind of take over the ruling of it 
and then have it be threatened from the outside and neutralize that only to discover that, you know, in, in the process of that take over the surrounding area to keep that threat further away. And so really they're ramping up to kind of keep this buffer around their home, which at its core is solstice and that will continue to grow and thrive or maybe not based on how the game goes um, as their area of protection around it goes. And yeah, I'll probably cap mine at like a regional continental level maybe not right you know oh solstice becomes the new capital of the world or anything weird like that it'll just be like no this group of solars now controls the east i think Mm -hmm. that's kind of like that well that's like ridiculous even that might be too much but what i mean is it feels like that's a good like ultimate end game for one kind of chronicle yeah. And it doesn't even have to go up to that level. But I really like your idea of, you know, maybe having four different chronicles, you know, one in each direction, you know, major direction, that is, and right. then have a fifth one. Once again, that whole, like, idea of the rule of five be to bring them together in the center somehow. Although I had to never do that, you've got to create That's your cool. own uh, Charles uh, Exalted Cinematic Universe. Something that you can't both do that and hand wave at the same time. So uh, you can hand wave anything you want at any point. We have all had a drink from that bitter draft, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there. You're right there. Our, our fingerprints are all on that dirty, half-empty glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. What about you, Jim? What do you think about? All that. Well, I'm going to say that three out of three deliberators agree. I'm going to say you start small too. Because, I mean, have you ever watched a movie and, like, in the first scene, the big bad is, like, taken out? And then it's like, well, where's the rest of the movie? If you're going to, like, take over, like, let's just say, like, a kingdom, like, like where the castle is. Well, the best way to do that would be to start in, like, a small village and earn that village's trust and then move on to the next one and next one until you have like the entire community behind your guy when you go up against the bad guy kind of like when uh when rocky fought the russian in rocky four oh, you know Ivan drago and uh you know toward the end of the match like they're they're shouting rocky, rocky you know? four is incredible how dare you laugh and mock it Ivan <laughs> <laughs> drago was the ultimate enemy <laughs> If you say so, but, man. <laughs> but my point in bringing that up was, uh, you know, towards like round eight or nine, he's won a lot of the 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 people to his side because he showed that he's the actual hero, and the guy they thought was the hero is actually the villain. You know, he's the right. bad guy. He's cheating. Spoiler he's not. Alert. He's not doing it right. You know what? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm gonna you- let that go. You know, I do think that it could be cool, and maybe this technically still counts as starting small, but I'm a big fan of the idea of starting in media res, meaning, like, the game starts and you're already, you know, like in the middle of a shootout, or you're, um, you know, chasing down someone in a car or something like that. I really like that idea where you just start with some action right away, 
and it gets you, you know, immediately invested into what's going on. I think it, I think it could be said that you could start big, but yeah. what happens is you fail right at the beginning. Right. And you are forced to kind of go back to being small and re-win back your bigness, so to speak. Yeah, that could be cool. Definitely. Yeah, that that would be a good story. I mean, but even then, I think I I don't know if that considers as starting big or starting small. I'm not really sure. But I I I do want to say that if you want to give the characters something big in the beginning only to have it snatched away to make it that more appreciated when they can finally win it back. I mean, I think that's a valid way to play as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely, Alexi, I would say, yeah, we all agree that uh, keeping your keeping your exalted games a little bit more on the smaller scale, I think, makes for a little more fun. And again, that has to do with what we talked about when we we're answering Bifford's question about uh, being epic. The best way to be epic, <laughs> epic, epic. The best way to be epic <laughs> is to see how much more powerful you are than normal people, and to do that best. You want to keep your stories a little bit more close to home. I mean, right. they can they can always ramp up into something really huge later, but make that be like a you know a game ender kind of a deal. Well, and it helps a, you focus on the actual characters too, right. because if you're yeah, starting exactly. out and you know you're battling alchemicals from space that are invading, and everyone has their own artifact level or like NA level war strider or something like that. You're focusing more on the setting as opposed to the characters at that point, I think. Well, and I think that that was always a big temptation, not just with Exalted, but with all of the White Wolf games that were so heavily inundated with uh, like the plot, the meta plot, right? That right. so many so many players of those games thought, well, I'm being told all of this story. I need to get involved in the story, right? And yeah. so when Exalted says, oh, the, the Emerald or the emerald the scarlet empress has gone missing and you know everything's thrown into disarray so you know i feel like so many groups felt like well let's go take over the realm or let's go find the scarlet empress or you know like whatever like big big events were mentioned in the books i feel like there are there were a lot of groups yeah that yeah, just I set that as that. their story well, yeah it also kind of feels like you're not being not, forced is the wrong word. It almost feels like the developers and the writers are telling you, like, hey, here are some of the really big stories that we are setting you up for. So right. I think it kind of makes sense to hear, oh, the Scarlet Empress is missing. Like, that's kind of a big deal. Oh, well, so... That's what we'll go do. Yeah, or, hey, let's yeah. fill that power vacuum. I right. don't know if, enough, uh, if some of this comes from, like, uh, our raising with like video game culture it's like beat the game like yeah, i think maybe. i remember when i first showed someone like dungeons and dragons they're like so uh who's the main guy that i gotta beat to win the game and i'm like there is no main guy or no someone right. told me they're like yeah i played dungeons and dragons and we beat it and i'm like you beat it they beat gary gygax to death with the uh player's handbook is probably what they meant <laughs> yeah I'm no like, they meant they went out and bought exalted instead <laughs> so, yeah i'm like what do you mean you beat it they're like yeah we beat the game so we're done with it i'm like you ain't played my min you ain't fought against my minions and they're going right. to kill you right. like i'm going to make sure of it 
because no one beats the game out of spite. <laughs> yeah, pure spite. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, one thing that would solve that, although I'm, I really hesitate to say this because I don't know if I want it or not, but you know, games like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and whatnot, they have so so much adventure material written. Right. That if you just uh, you're the kind of person who doesn't know how to come up with stories well, and let me tell you, there are a lot of people out there like that. A lot of people that are just like, I can't write a story. That's not my thing. I can't do that. Uh, well, and it's just it is overwhelming. As one of those people, right. it is a it is a daunting task, specifically in Exalted. I do I right. do have to say that. Well, and and I for years for years have said. What White Wolf needs, what Onyx Path needs, is just more adventures. But then when they started doing some of those back in Exalted 2nd Edition and with some of the uh, New World of Darkness stuff, you know, I can't remember what they even called that little, um, that, that, that line of books that they made that gave some adventures. They, they have to be so weird and open-ended compared to like the, the very simple to write and, and play through dungeon crawls that you get in Pathfinder D&D. Because so much of the game is social, so much of the game is, you know, figuring out mysteries and it's not about, you know, going to room A, room B, room C. And so, like, it was just, it was just very strange to even read one of those adventures. And honestly, I didn't want them to keep making a lot of those. So well, the, I'm not the, sure how you, how you do this. The problem with it is, is that your very, very creative characters who are drawn to Exalted don't want to be handcuffed. But then right. your players who aren't as experienced in coming up with their own stories feel lost in this big giant play bo- uh, yeah. play, uh, toy box. Right. Uh, so when you write that adventure, a lot of your like really creative kind of storytellers are like, nah, man, I ain't touching that because you're telling me what to do. Whereas right. the other people are like, just tell me when they when they beat this they go to this and this happens and this happens and if they do this this happens that, uh, that almost is needed a little bit for some yeah. for some people to ease them into the game all right alexi well hope that helps all right well i have the story seed for this week i decided to uh i really liked jim's last week and i feel like we've we've had several pre-made characters for you guys to choose from that cover you know combat oriented to social oriented to uh you know mental kind of aspect of characters so i wanted to kind of help build up our catalog of uh assets for storytellers who are stuck in kind of a rut so this one's kind of a little bit of a throwback uh you might recognize the concept Uh, I mentioned it a few episodes ago. Uh, The story seed is Exploring the Lost World. Uh And here is the concept. A strange island, long forgotten to time and memory, has suddenly and inexplicably resurfaced. Legends tell of artifacts and machines of supreme might lying dormant, of strange and eldritch powers waiting to be claimed. Few have heard the rumors of the island's return, and even fewer place any credence in the story. But the promise of reward is too much for some noble houses, and envoys are sent to plunder the unspoiled riches which sleep on the island. Nice. I think we know where this is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so this was... uh, 
I wanted to get the idea I had for the call down on paper. So right. that's more or less what this one is. And you'll be able to find the example, including the story seat and the concept, on our website. And that example is, it has some more details in there uh, it's to make about, it easier. It's like, about kind of raiding the call, right, with uh, Dragon Bloods or whatnot? Yeah, the gist is that you're a member of a very basically declining house not one of the major ones and when these rumors surface your house can't not afford to send someone Mm, nice yeah awesome so it's like a last desperate gamble to gain some kind of vestige of power to attempt to bring your house back to prominence yep and we'll be putting that up on fivepoles.com you can go check that out there and all the other stuff that we've added there so Hope you're using that resource. All right. Well, we want to, before we sign off today, we want to thank the Immaculate Chaos brand new Exalted Actual Play podcast uh, for mentioning us in their first episode of their new podcast. And sounds like they have some very cool stuff lined up there. Can't wait to hear more of their game. Sounds like they got a really good group of players. So y'all go check out the Immaculate Chaos Thanks, on iTunes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. On iTunes and wherever else people go to get podcasts. And so that about wraps it up for this week. So where can folks find more of your stuff? Well, Corey, you can find me on the official Onyx Path forums as Lucky Chucky. I also run our Facebook page, The Deliberative Podcast, as well as our Twitter account, at Deliberative Pod. And I'm going to be getting back into streaming Android Netrunner, which is a living card game made by Fantasy Flight. I'm going to do that on YouTube, and my channel name is System Outage. You can always find me at our website, fivepoles.com, or you can reach me direct at my email, james.fivepoles at gmail.com. I go by the username Reform Ninja on most forums, but on the Deep Wild forum, I go by Jay Wesley. And for all game-related things, including the official Onyx Path forums and the deepwild.com forums, I am Numapilot. And I'm thinking about streaming myself eating a lasagna. On I will pay YouTube. you not to do that. <laughs> Why I will pay so two much money not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Channel name Garfield Eat Your Heart Out. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have a question or issue oh. that you would like us to discuss on the deliberative please send your question to us at the deliberative podcast at gmail.com if at all possible send us a recording of yourself asking the question or making the comment also keep an eye out on fivepoles.com for an article which will tell you how to send in voice recordings we've had several Uh, We've had several listeners tell us they've had some difficulty figuring out the best ways to do that. Uh, So we're going to get an article up pretty soon to make that easier for you all. And we promise it won't just say buy an iPhone. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Hey guys, don't forget to leave us a review. I know I mentioned that a lot, but... Another thing that I would like to tell you is tell your friends about this uh, podcast. You know, if you've got role players that you know that play other games, I would like to point them to the Emerald Circle, the Sapphire Circle, and the Adamant Circle, mm. where Corey goes through and explains what role playing is in the Emerald Circle. And then he also explains what Exalted is in the Sapphire Circle. And for some of you new players who are trying to learn the mechanics, check out the Adamant Circle. He did a great yeah. job putting those together to introduce your friends to the world of Exalted. Oh, thanks, man. 
<laughs> is that a lasagna I hear being eaten in the background? <laughs> 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 freaking Italian-eaten lasagna pie hole. I don't even really like lasagna. What? You're going to learn to like it because I'm going to shove it there. It. Yeah, no, it's I'm noodles, <laughs> tomatoes, and cheese, bro. I just wish it were pizza. Well, thanks for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See ya.